Hello and a warm welcome to LMS Radio. My name is Juno coming to you here from Surrey in the UK and welcoming, welcoming you to another session of Jazz on Sunday. Hello, Joseph. Can you hear me? Yes, Gina. Greetings. It's great to hear your voice again. And you as well. I am so sorry. I don't know what happened. <laughs> It's okay. These things happen, you know, in, in the bigger scheme of things, these are just little minor hiccups. So not a problem. Okay, then. Right, we're continuing with Scott Joplin. Yes, excellent. Okay, then. Right. So um, you said you had done some research on Scott Joplin. So can you share yes. with us? Sure. So let's talk a little bit about so Scott Joplin arrives in New York City in the summer of 1907. No one knows exactly for certain when he arrived, but they guess it was probably in July. That's that's their best guess. And of course, he he passes away a number of years later. But want to take a look at what what are some of the big things that are happening in New York? So let's take a look at one thing that happens in the year. 1907, the year that he arrives in New York City from upstate New York. He was upstate New York and a variety of other places. And the big thing in 1907, Gina, is the establishment of the Zigfield Follies. Now, I, I don't know if you know what the Zigfield Follies are. Do you know, Gina? I have. I've heard of it. Please enlighten me. I've heard of it, but I sure, don't know yeah. what it is. So it is a huge, huge theatrical review on Broadway, and it runs from 1907 to 1931 in New York City. And it's, and it's based on the uh, Follies Bergere, but it doesn't have any nudity in it like the Follies probably would have had at that time. But they have beautiful showgirls with these elaborate, elaborate costumes on, costumes such as birds and dressed up as buildings or as ships or as flowers, all sorts of really, really elaborate costumes. In addition, they have all sorts of entertainers, really a variety of different entertainers, including some who would become very, very well known in the world or some who are already well known and come to join the, to join, uh, the Zigfield Follies. Uh, in fact, there were three movies, three or four movies that were made about the Zigfield Follies in the 40s. But this is a really, really big thing in New York. Um, and we'll just talk about maybe one of the of the very famous um, um, uh, people that come and work. And then maybe you can play a song and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about it more. But one of the one of the big names that eventually comes to. Uh, the Zigfield Follies is someone who was actually born in the UK, and that is the comedian Bob Hope. Bob Hope will join the Zigfield Follies um, uh, in the late in the in 1936 when they have a revival of it. And of course, Bob Hope, well-known comedian, number of movies with Bing Crosby, also here in the states, he's very very well known for um, his Christmas visits with the U.S. troops overseas and spending. Uh, Christmas, um, visiting the troops uh, for usually about two weeks before Christmas uh, in a variety of places all around the world doing a variety of shows. So that was the big thing that occurred in 1907, the Zigfield Follies. What did he actually do there? 
So he probably did a comedian routine, probably maybe did a little soft shoe tap dancing uh, is my guess. Uh, that's probably what he did. But there are others. Um, for example, um, there was Josephine Baker who joined the 1936 revival. Josephine Baker of Paris fame joined in 1936. Um, we have Sophie Tucker appearing at some point uh, in time in the Ziegfeld Follies. We also have Eddie Cantor, very famous singer here in the States. Um, we also have Fanny Bryce, um, very well known here in the States also. Uh, we have a, a gentleman by the name of Ray Bolger. Now, Ray Bolger may not be a, um, a household name now, but he's best well known for being in the Wizard of Oz. And I believe Ray Bolger plays, uh, I think he plays the Scarecrow. I got I can't remember off the top of my head, Ray Bolger. Um, but he plays, I believe he plays the, 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 um, he plays the Scarecrow. He plays the Scarecrow in the Wizard of Oz, uh, which debuted in 1939. So all of those people, did they start their career in, um, the Follies or did they just get a job there? No, most of them had careers. They all had careers before. They were all comedians in vaudeville or they had made a name for themselves in other places. And they were coming on like Josephine Baker, um, like Bob Hope. They already had names for themselves. They may not have been huge names, but they all had names for themselves when they they joined the, the Zigfield Follies to probably do a skit or a song or two or whatever. You know, a big name to help attract people in. Okay, thank you so much for enlightening me. I had no idea all these people, wasn't it? Josephine Baker was there as well, my goodness. Yes, Josephine Baker, that's right. Um, as I mentioned, Fanny Bryce. Fanny Bryce... Um, the movie with Barbara Streisand, Funny Girl, is loosely based on the life of Fanny Bryce. So uh, she was in there. Um, we have another one by the name of Ed Wynn. Now, he's probably not known in the UK, but here he would be known for two, um, I guess we would call them sitcoms on American television. The one that he probably is most known for among the younger generation is a show called The Munsters and about this kind of monster family who tries to live a normal life and he plays Herman Munster. I remember him. Is he that big one, the, the very big guy? Yes, yes, he is, he is. And he also played in another, um, another uh, TV show here. He also played in one called Car 54, Where Are You? Um, that occurred in the 50s here in the States. And uh, one of his, uh, one of the co-stars of the show, there were a couple of different ones, but he had like, it was a police, you know, kind of a show mocking the police in, in New York, um, a comedy ske type sketch. Uh, one of his cohorts uh, in, in the patrol was um, Al Lewis. And Al Lewis played... Uh, also in the Munsters, and he played Grandpa, the Count, in in the Munsters. 
I remember him as well. Thank you, Joseph. This was absolutely very nice of you doing all this research. So bring us back. Okay, then we will start with um, Al Joplin. The one that you just heard the uh, intro was called Alabama. So now it's called the Country Club. Now, Joseph, can we continue still with um, the First World War? What fascinated me so much, and this is what I wrote down, is that during the First World War, now Europe suffered very badly with the loss of lives. Now, this did not happen in America. It seemed that the Americans um, were enjoying themselves with the jazz clubs and the speakeasies. And, and yes, they would have, of course, because all the fighting was done in Europe. Uh, except for those Americans who uh, went went on to serve in Europe, in France or in Belgium with the American expeditionary forces at the time. So, yes, a number of them would have traveled over. In fact, although my father recalls a story with with a couple of, I guess, World War One soldiers that he knew growing up, he said, you know, some of them were on the ships heading over. And then, you know, when armistice was called, the ships basically turned around and went back home. He, he tells me that story of a one or two of the, the quote unquote doughboys. But yes, that would be correct. America would be living its normal life because it was so far away, other than I guess the worry about German U-boats off the coast of 
uh, uh, off of our East Coast. So yes, Americans would be normally doing what they're doing other than for those families who are worried about their sons going overseas. Right, I see. Now, um, my goodness me, um, the Roaring Twenties. Now, we'll just move on here. I found that um, many, during the days of, um, there was Al Capone, um, there was always something about America and the Twenties. There was always this amazing life, which I had seen, um, when you can actually see on the, in the television, and it showed how there was something called um, buy now, pay later, when so many people were spending. Now, during these days, when, just about the time when Scott Joplin died, was it Coca-Cola? that was um that's gone on the stock market and it had done fabulously well and so many americans during this era had invested in the stock market that's true in the 20s um lots of americans or a number of people had invested in the stock market of course until the crash of 29 on which everybody lost everything um but yeah, a lot of a lot of people did, and of course, then it brought on the Great Depression after that. So yeah, the twenties were quote unquote the Roaring Twenties here in the U.S. Uh, there was prohibition, which led to the rise of people like uh, an Al Capone or a Meyer Lansky uh, or others who were involved in um, organized what we we now call organized crime or the mafia. Um, you know, doing a lot of, uh, you know, illegal booze, making a lot of illegal booze, as well as other things such as prostitution and gambling. And, and that's how a lot of the organized crime reigned because of, of, of the, of the trafficking of in, in, in booze, which was made illegal during prohibition, including, and, and that, that's not just hard liquor, that included beer too. Right. Thank you so much. You're listening to me, Gina, here on LMS Radio Sunday Jazz and I am pleased to say I have with me Joseph Baron from afoolforlearning.com and check out his podcast whenever you can on Podbean. And where else are you available on um, Joseph? So you can find my Foolish Thoughts podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, a number of the uh, listen notes um, Google Podcast is going, I'm on Google Podcast, but they're going away in March. I got an announcement about two weeks ago. They're going away, but I'm on a number of different platforms. So you can, I'm on YouTube also. You can find my podcasts on YouTube. If you search for Foolish Thoughts by Joseph Barone, you can find me there too. Right. Um, is there any other podcast um, platform you are on? Because are you, how many are you on? Seven? Or I'm on... Yes, something like that. I'd have to. I'd have to look now because it's 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 a good question. Uh, I don't even know if I'm on. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Probably uh, eight or ten different uh, different podcast uh, chat type uh, type platforms. Are you on number one Spotify? Yes, I am on Spotify. Yes, you can find me there. How many times do you bring out your um, episodes, please? So I I publish 
generally twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, usually I, I have the, they're pre-recorded and they go out usually about six o'clock in the morning. They get published out. I do take some time off, uh, cause I find that I need some time off when you're publishing two a week. Um, I take the summer off means I take July and August off and towards the end of June. I take around the Christmas New Year time off. So I'll take maybe two weeks in December off and I'll take usually a week around Easter, whenever Easter is in March or April. So, but, uh, but I'm publishing, you know, you know, over 40, uh, over 80 episodes a year You're quite or about 80 episodes a year. You're quite busy, um, Joseph. <laughs> Yes, it it does keep me busy, always trying to think, plan ahead to make sure that I can um, always have episodes uh, ready ready to go so that I'm not like crunching at the last minute. Joseph, at least, can you still tell listeners what actually do you do? Uh, well, if, if you talk to my wife, she says not much, <laughs> if, if, uh, but I am um, I'm in what we call the training and learning business. And so I, I create training and learning programs for organizations, but I also facilitate or conduct them. So for example, uh, Gina, if you said, you know, I have a company and my, my employees aren't very good with my customers. Can you create a course to help teach us how to be better in dealing with customers? That's something I can do. Um, I used to teach Microsoft Office, in particular PowerPoint, some Word and some uh, Excel. I teach Outlook, you know, the email platform Outlook. We used to teach Lotus Notes. Um, I used to do a number of those sorts of things. Uh, I do a lot, a lot of stand-up training. I can do things on time management, etc. cetera. Um, and so I, I also design materials. I even teach a class on podcasting period periodically um how to get into podcasting what do you need to know before you actually spend any money on software or equipment is this done at a site university or is this done online so uh i can do them both on 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 site or I can do them online. Usually I would do something like that live, but I've also designed e-learning courses, you know, the self-paced kind of courses you might take online. Uh, I designed a very popular one uh, for the, the Catholic Association within the Boy Scouts of America. And I've also done online learning, designed online learning for my previous employer. Um, in fact, I even ran their, one of their learning teams for 17 years. Um, so yeah, that, that's my business. And I've been in the business now of training and learning, adult training and learning for, uh, over 35 years. That's quite long. You have something special, a program you're going to be doing this February. Can you please tell listeners because you don't know some listeners might like to be involved and contact you? Sure. Well, the only thing I'm doing right now, I had a class that was scheduled uh, at the beginning of beginning of this month, but it got canceled, unfortunately, because of low turnout and how to design a corporate learning program. If you wanted to design a learning program for your company, how to do it, all of the administrative stuff, etc. Uh, I do have a class on introduction to podcasting that is being run by the Arlington Community 
um, a continuing education program in Arlington, Virginia. If anybody's interested, they can contact me via my website and I can get them the information for the class. It's a two-hour class on introduction to podcasting. Um, and right now, although I don't have any other um, uh, publicly scheduled classes, I do have a contract with one of the local governments to conduct training for the local government. And that's not open to the general public. That's only for local government employees. And that that will keep me pretty busy until um, probably the end of May of this year. Okay, for so many of your listeners, there is a link with um, Joseph's A Full for Learning on my website, on LMS Radio website, where you can click, see the link there and still check out what um, Joseph is got is doing so let's continue with sunday jazz and coming up now is called sunflower slow drag for many of you listeners i thought it had finished sorry for many of you listeners um i am gina and you are listening to sunday jazz continuing with scott joplin okay now um joseph um let me see now can we talk about jazz in the 1930s and 40s now continuing with al capone now he um, owned speakeasies, cutting clubs. Yes, yeah, so, so speakeasy is basically an illegal place where you could buy booze and it'd be entertainment, dancing, singing, um, music going on, etc. Yes, that uh, that's what the terms they are. And in fact, nowadays, um, 
for those who are interested, some places here in the U.S. have kind of these what they call retro speakeasies, kind of a, a place that tries to imitate that whole look and feel of, of the 1920s. Now, remember, when prohibition goes away, the speakeasy goes away. That all disappears. So when prohibition is gone, that all changes. Okay. Could you please tell some listeners what exactly was prohibition? So prohibition was a, an amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which banned the sale of liquor, production and sale of liquor in the United States. Um, th now, there were some places already in the U.S. that had banned the sale of liquor. And I think there are still a couple of places that still do. They're called in the U.S., they're called dry counties or dry towns or dry cities. Dry meaning you can't, you know, wet yourself with alcohol of any sort. But it was a period to try to control alcohol. Um, and it failed. It failed miserably because the, 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 uh, huge amount of underground, uh, liquor, uh, was produced. Some of it was really, really bad. Some of it killed people. Um, and in fact, you know, you, you, there are lots and lots of movies and TV shows about organized crime during that period of time. Uh, and that talks about the whole prohibition. Um, you know, we have very famous St. Valentine's Day massacre here in the U.S. in which a number of gangsters were, were all killed at one time. Um, we have all sorts of shows. In fact, the movie The Godfather uh, talks about talks about uh, prohibition a bit, um, you know, and in, in the scene where they're in Cuba, uh, Cuba and Miami talking about uh, running uh, where, where Vito Corleone, the senior, uh, senior who played by Marlon Brando, and they talk about that sort of thing. So, so prohibition was a period of, of banning Alcohol, not very successful in the U.S. They realize it just just wasn't working. Okay, thank you so much. The next one is called Paragon Drag.
Okay, that is from um, Scott's, Scott's, Scott Joplin. Um, you are listening to our second session on Scott Joplin. Okay, I'm here, Gina, coming to you from Surrey in the UK on Sunday. So um, I, I am with here on the other end in Maryland is Joseph Barron who has a podcast here on Podbean. Okay, so we're coming up now with Sweep Easy. Thank you so much. I can't. I can't think. Did I play this one twice, or is this the first time I played Sweep Easy? Well, anyway, I think it's the first time. I think it's the first time that I recall. Okay, then. Thank you so much. Um, listening to me, Gina, here on Sunday Jazz. Okay, now what we're going to play right now, it is called Rose Leaf Rag.
Okay, now, thank you so much for listening to me, Gina, here on Sunday Jazz. I I have a listener called Joseph Baron, who is with me from the podcast, A Fool for Learning. And it's great to have Joseph taking the time to come here every Sunday. And he's now, I hope, a contributor to Sunday Jazz. Thanks a great deal, Joseph. Much appreciated. Okay. Thank you, Gina. Oh, that's fine. Okay, now then, the next we have is called Fig Leaf Rag. Now, have you heard of this one before? I have heard the name. I am not familiar with the tune, but I have heard the name of the, the Fig Leaf Rag. Okay, then. It's coming up right now. Oh dear me, that one's mistaken. Thank you so much Um, listening to Jazz on Sunday with me, Gina, here in Surrey in the UK. Okay, now, Joseph, there was many things you said about um, America reflecting in the First World War. 
Now, with Scott Joplin, he was a very talented man of an African-American descent of his time. Yes, and that is correct. Um, and interesting to note that he dies literally just a couple of days before the U.S. enters into the First World War. He dies April 1st of 1917, and war is declared uh, for the U.S. Uh, on April 4th of 1917. So he would have been aware of all of the things that were going on. In fact, one of the one of the big things that events that took place, um, uh, although it's not related necessarily to World War One, was the arrival of the RMS Carpathia, Carpathia, I believe that's how it's pronounced, in New York City. Now, most people have no idea what the RMS Carpathia is. It's a ship, Royal Mail ship, but it's linked to the Titanic. And it is the ship that rescues, the passenger ship that rescues over 700 Titanic survivors. So uh, that arrived in, in New York in 1912. Uh, and it would have been something that Scott Joplin would have been very, very aware of because all of the newspapers were talking about it at that time. That was actually very interesting. You know, when Scott Joplin in the 19... Um during that era, when they did the um, concerts, which we now call it, were they ever mentioned in the newspaper like they are now? Or how did they, in those days, get to hear about all this? Well, I would have assumed it would have been a lot of the newspapers uh, of the day if they would have had, if they would have advertised even an African-American. But very interesting, in 1909, the New Amsterdam News is established in New York City just after, two years after um, Scott Joplin arrives. And the, the interesting thing about the New Amsterdam News is it focuses exclusively on the African-American population in New York and outside of New York. Uh, it's, it's currently one of the oldest African-American or Black-owned newspapers in the U.S., and they would have probably definitely advertised or taken advertisements for Scott Joplin if he played in New York City. So, and I, I do remember the African, the Amsterdam news being published um, as a child. Used to see it on the local newsstands or kiosks all around the city. And it's still published to this day. So that's one way they would have gotten it out. Uh, playbills, you know, putting posters up all over the place, having people hand out flyers, um, you know, around the city, depending on where he may have been playing. And a lot of it, of course, was also word of mouth, too. Thank you so much. And hello to Sweet Angel Bear 37. Thank you very much for joining us, if you're still there. Okay, now this one is called Original Rag.
right now that's finished all just suddenly um thank you so much now we're coming to the end of sunday jazz session so we've we learned about scott joplin and i have definitely learned about so many of the people and i hope you have who were part of um the follies what's it you can zig follies please Joseph, Zig, Zigfield Follies. Can you please mention the name again? Bob Hope, Josephine Baker, Sophie Tucker. Sure. All mm -hmm. of these. Yeah, some, yes, yes, th that is correct. It was Bob Hope. Uh, we had uh, Ray Bolger who played the Scarecrow, best known for playing the Scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz. We had uh, uh, Sophie Tucker, Fanny Bryce, uh, which the movie Funny Girl um is based on josephine baker the very very famous uh parisian uh who uh did her dance and uh, dance routines in paris yes quite a number joseph can i just stop you there with josephine baker did she do the topless in the zig fellas i you know i doubt she would have because i i think america would not have allowed that at that time uh, on their, on a show like that, because it was, even though it's for adults, uh, I don't think it would have been, um, uh, allowed at that time. They probably would have gotten raided by the police. <laughs> but she did it in, um, France. So when exactly did Josephine Baker, how did she end up in France? Um, you know, I don't know. I'd have to look that up. To be quite honest with you, I don't know if she was from one of the former French colonies or she was born in France of, uh, you know, uh, mixed race parents. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. Maybe we can do that for the next show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, because she is very interesting as well, isn't she? You know, her background. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, she's actually American born. Uh, very interesting. I just just quickly pull it up. She was actually American born. Um, but yeah, she, her thing in the, the Follies Berger was the, was the big thing. Right. But I'm always curious to know how she, I mean, did they go on tour to Paris and she just decided to stay there because I, just... uh, I I'll have to look it up. I'll have to do a little research on it. Okay. Thank you so much, um, for listening to me, Gina here, Sunday Jazz. So we are finishing another session of um our shows which may i thank you so much for listening and coming every sunday and i know you are downloading as you very well know um, we are available on spotify bullhorn fm Podchaser, rocker tv samsung tv and Philips TV. Now to find us on Smart TV, you have to go to entertainment, look at pot, um, pod chase, is it podcasting or pot, what pod, whatever, and then type in LMS radio and you will be able to download us. Because we are now on so many apps, it's very different to know how these apps are. And I do know that you're able to find us on Android TV as well. And we are also available on the QR code. Um, Joseph, do you have a QR, QR code? I do not, I do not, sorry to say. 
did you know that it's Podbean that gives you the QR code? I did not know that. I'm going to have to look that up now. Right. Now, when you go into your Podbean app, you will go to where you find your um, your congratulations that you have. You know, Podbean gives you all these congratulations, little things. Now, if you stroll down, you may be able to see QR code. Now, that was brought in in Podbean by, it was last year, I think, May. Now, I was able to see the QR code. So you check if you have one as well. Now, you do know with the QR code, you just put on your your smartphone, they click on and they can easily enter and find your um podcast okay so thank you once again listening to um sunday jazz here me gina um in surrey in the uk as you very well know thank you to so many of you listeners wherever you are it's much appreciated for you to come on whenever we are here live and also downloading. So thank you so much. And many thanks to our regular contributor, Joseph Barron from, I'll say it again, a fullforlearning.com. So I will leave you now with Scott Joplin and I'll say bye-bye and see you next time on Sunday Jazz. So this is called Pineapple Rag.
Thank you so much for listening to me here, Gina, with Sunday Rag. And Joseph, there's something I wanted to ask you. Now, you worked for the World Bank. Could you please just tell the listeners, what did you do? So uh, the World Bank is an international uh, agency whose mission is to basically get countries uh, from being a third world status or out of poverty first. I worked for them for almost 28 years, and for 17 of those years, I ran their IT learning team. We were responsible for IT learning, kind of the general stuff, you know, like Word, PowerPoint, Excel, but also a number of proprietary IT applications. We trained our staff here and overseas, and we did everything from design training courses, design materials, job aids to help them, uh, even designed e-learning. I also ran one of their help desks for seven years. Um, and then I left, I got a buyout and left in uh, early 2019. In fact, it's, it's almost now five years since I left my former organization. And how did you, how did you actually get the job with the World Bank? That's fascinating. So great question. Great question. So I was working for the city of New York and my boss, who was my mentor at the time, and it's always good to have a mentor, someone to guide you, was very involved in his professional association and believed that uh, if you were in a particular profession, you should get involved in your professional association. And so I got involved and I would speak about the training program we designed for the city of New York for this particular city agency. And we would speak at conferences and at a conference, someone from the World Bank saw me and said, you know, you're the type of person we need at the bank. And she kept in touch with me. And um, the following year, I spoke again at another conference and a group of people saw me and said, we need to have you. And so I got a job with the bank as first as a consultant. It's a one-year gig. And one year went into two and two went into three, et cetera. So it was someone seeing me give a presentation on training and learning uh, at a conference. And that's how I got hired at the World Bank. Normally, I probably wouldn't have gotten hired, except for they needed someone of with the type of skill and, and thing that I was offering. Did you enjoy your time there? I did. I I did. Um, it was a lot of work. Um, you were not this. If you're looking for a nine to five job, the World Bank is not that place. Uh, but I did enjoy it, and I got to travel all around the world, um, visiting uh, the staff in our country offices. That's what we call them, our country offices, and training them and working with them. And I really enjoyed. That was probably my, the most favorite part of my job, although it was quite stressful traveling from place to place, I really enjoyed meeting our staff overseas. They were great and wonderful, wonderful people. Joseph Perone, thank you so much. A fascinating career from a fascinating person. Thank you so much. And I do hope to see, hope to see you next week as well. So thanks so to so many of you listening to me here, Gina, with Sunday Jazz. So let me just see. Oh, right. Okay, now, so we've come to the end um, of this session. And I hope you enjoyed yourself. And I, too, enjoyed myself. So I'll see you again next Sunday. And bye-bye from me and Joseph. Can you say bye-bye to the listeners, please? Bye-bye, bye-bye, everyone, and thank you for listening. Thank you so much. So bye-bye, and see you next time.